Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wisdom Wisdom Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) I just scared Tessa. We were talking about work things and then I just hit record. She's like, we're going for it. Here we are. (laughs) We're a little bit startled right now. I'm having some tea. Me too. What kind of tea are you drinking? I'm doing chai rooibos. You know, since my traumatic episode of my month-long COVID experience, I stopped drinking caffeine. However, I have since had caffeine but I'm only having it like three to four times a week. So Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it every day. It's just like three to four times a week. And I'm only doing like a cup of either just one serving of matcha or I'm doing like a caffeinated sweet tangerine yogi tea. Yeah. So how are you feeling? Is, Is your body super sensitive when you drink that one serving? Yes. For some reason, it affects me intensely now. I don't know what that's about, but obviously so much of my health has changed. And I, even though it's been months now since COVID, I've had a lot of side effects. Uh, Like my hair started falling out. I know, I think I've talked to you about this, but my hair was falling out. My sleep patterns were disrupted. Nothing major. I mean, my hair will grow back hopefully. (laughs) If not, whatever. It's hair, you know? Yeah, but you can't even tell. Right. I mean, I I mean, to be dismissive. Yeah. Right. No, thank you for that. But the other thing is there are certain foods that I just can't ever eat ever again, or at least for now. I've not been able to eat a banana since then. I don't know why. Like it doesn't taste good? The scent and the sight makes me want to gag. Huh. Which is crazy, right? Because I used to put bananas in everything. I would eat a banana as a snack, banana and peanut butter. Can't have it. Huh. That's interesting. So have you ever experienced this when you eat something and then you immediately get sick, like you vomit from it and then you can't eat that thing? Yes. Strawberry daiquiris from Las Vegas. That's why I don't (laughs) drink alcohol. I cured you for a lifetime. (laughs) I mean, without getting too graphic, did something like that happen? (laughs) I'm just oh during with the banana no I think it it was just every single food that I was able to eat during while I was sick which was not a lot you know I didn't eat for days and it was mostly just non-solid food I guess soups can't ever eat those ever again just any of the foods that I would eat while I was sick for some reason I just have an aversion to once I got better Mm -hmm. like I was never able to for breakfast, I'd always have oatmeal or oat bran, yogurt, vegan yogurt and granola, strawberries. I mean, you've known me for as long as you have. And it's my standard breakfast foods have always been the same. I've not been able to eat any of that oh at all. Gosh. And I still haven't. So my breakfast is now like a blueberry smoothie, which again is what I would have once I started to feel better. So I don't know if it's subconscious or not, but I've just not had a desire to have any of the foods that I was eating while I was sick. Yeah. That's interesting. That physiological response. It's like, there's this neural pathway that we've carved out that has this really physiological response in the body. I'm the same way with guava. I got sick in Mexico with guava and I cannot Oh, it just like guava flavored it. or like the actual guava, the actual guava. Cause you know, it's, it's so easy to find them. They're delicious. Yeah. They're sweet. So or good. they used to be for other people. They are not for me. <laughs> like your banana is my guava, but 
it's wow. just so interesting. Like it's been over a decade and I oh, still wow. can't do it. So there's gotta be some sort of like neurological wiring that we create. I don't know. I just find that so fascinating that we either have the experience of being sick from the thing or like in your case, you didn't even get sick from it, but like, those are the foods that you would have eaten to feel better. It's almost like there's this association now, right? Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. It's very bizarre. All right, guys. So today's topic is one that we're before I hit the record button, Tessa was trying to be organized and ask me how we were going to integrate the topic of wisdom with finding a mentor, but I just hit record. And now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> as I'm talking to you all, I'm trying to figure it out in my brain. Okay, here it is. I can integrate the two and we can discuss this. I think that it requires a wisdom which I believe has to do with knowledge, applied knowledge and experience to finding people in our life that we are inspired by, that we respect, that lead a life of integrity. And I believe that it takes wisdom to be able to not only just have that awareness, but to have the courage to study with somebody to ask them if they will mentor you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I always romanticize the idea of, it feels kind of old fashioned, but the apprentice, right? Like mm. somebody has a trade that you want to learn. And yes. I think back to, I don't know, the middle ages when that was the thing that you did to acquire your trade or your vocation. Yeah, And you studied with this person for maybe a lifetime and then maybe I don't know, maybe you took over their business at some point or you became the mentor yourself. So I've always had this romantic notion about mentorship and this idea of teacher and this person that, you know, we, we stay close to, or we get close to, to learn from. And so, yeah, absolutely. There's so much wisdom in that. Yeah. And I love that because obviously we come from the same school of thought. I'm right on board with that. And I am a I'm the marathon person. I'm not the sprint person. I'm the I'm the long hauler. I'm the one that wants to study for years and years and then feel the confidence to go and and do the thing. You know what drives me insane are the people not to talk bad about people, but there are certain people that upset me are the ones that they learn something and all of a sudden they want to go out and teach it. It's mm -hmm. like, "Oh, I just learned this thing. Let me go out and teach it." You've not even integrated that lesson yet. You've not even integrated the full knowledge of this method or this teaching or this experience until you've embodied it and you've experienced it and you can have an applied knowledge out in the world. You shouldn't be teaching it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this was, has always been my big issue with how back in the day they used to churn out teachers with all these teacher trainings. They were just churning them out, churning them out, churning them out. And then we would have all these, I mean, students that were in my trainings, you know, this with that did trainings elsewhere that felt they needed another training because they felt they didn't get the information or the knowledge that they were hoping for. Mm -hmm. And that is twofold. Number one, not all trainings are made the same. And number two is that it takes time. It takes time to be able to integrate what you're learning and to have a lit. To me, wisdom comes in the lived experience. That's the difference. That is how you can apply knowledge in your life. You have to be able to have the experience so that you know what it's like in your body, in your cells, in your spirit, in your life. Not to say that if you don't have a mind-body-spirit connection to a lesson that you can't teach it. I'm just saying to be an effective and wise person, teacher, leader, you need to have that integration as part of the process to be effective, right? One of my teachers would say, a captain with a well-equipped vessel that's not been seasoned is 
dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who has this like brand new shiny boat and is out in the world that doesn't have the experience is going to eventually have an issue. Mm-hmm. And a captain, a seasoned captain with a not well equipped vessel that's falling apart and can't get from point A to point B is going to be ineffective. And so the whole purpose is, okay, well, we need both. We need to be both a seasoned captain and we need to have a well-equipped vessel. So how do we do both? How do we get that integration? And the way that we get that integration is through experienced, embodied knowledge. We have to have the experience. You can't fast forward your expertise. You become an expert at something. You become skilled at something over the course of time, not just because you paid $10,000 to do a six-month course. That doesn't make sense, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's true, you know, and I don't think I really got that at first. Speaking from my experience going through a teacher training, that lesson or message didn't land with me until fairly recently, I would say maybe three years ago, which to me feels fairly recent because I am also a marathon runner, literally and mentally. (laughs) And part of this might be societal and cultural that we feel pressure, right? Oh, I spent all of this money on this training and I, and I have to go now apply my knowledge. And if I don't, there's all, this is twofold. If I don't teach it right away or apply it right away, then I'll forget it. That's a little bit of fear, which got to be careful of who's driving the show here. When we're teaching something, we don't want fear driving, right? Hopefully that it's that place of wisdom that applied knowledge. But I think that takes a little bit of kind of trying it on and figuring it out and maybe making mistakes. Totally. And I want to speak to that because I don't want people to think that they can't do that. It's you, you obviously, I'm not saying the people that go and they do this course or they do this program that all of a sudden they shouldn't be teaching it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. It's very nuanced, right? Mm -hmm. There is, in order to learn something, the old school way that I learned it was that you have to imitate, integrate, and then you can innovate. Mm -hmm. So in order for you to do that, yeah, you have to be able to mimic your teachers. But that's the whole point is you have to have a mentor, you have to have a teacher that you know is of integrity, that is living the work that you want to be doing, that you can then learn from, begin to integrate, and you integrate it into yourself by actually putting it into practice in your life. Mm -hmm. And then you can innovate. Then you can go off and do the things and get on your boat and go and conquer the seas. Awesome. But there is a very specific type of process that needs to happen. You know, the person that just learned, and I guess I'm speaking to specifically the point of this topic that we're talking about. How do you find a teacher? How does that apply to wisdom? So that's the integration is to be able to have the mindfulness, the foresight, the knowing, the internal knowing of choosing the right people. And how do you do that? assess it with how they're integrating the teachings. It doesn't mean they have to be the expert. The thing is, we're all experts at something. We're all experts at a skill or we're all experts at being ourselves, right? It takes, what does Malcolm Gladwell say? It takes 10,000 hours to become a master of a skill, right? Mm -hmm. You've been yourself for at least 10,000 hours, (laughs) hopefully. So that is already in the bag, Now, if you're wanting to learn how to apply this wisdom, how to integrate spiritual teachings into your life, if you're wanting to become a mentor or a coach or a meditation teacher, yoga teacher, a podcaster or a writer, what do you have to do? You can't just go buy it online, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do the thing that you want to do. Yeah. To have wisdom, you have to do the things that are going to beget wisdom, mm-hmm. which means you have to embody and integrate the teachings of life. Does that make sense? 
Oh, absolutely. I love that. And also, and also, (laughs) I think that you're right. It's subtle and it's nuanced. And I also, when we're talking about trying something new, like creating something that feels so far outside of your comfort zone, you may have never tried before the nuance or the subtlety is try not to fall into the trap of perfection. Yes. Imitate and then integrate and innovate. I love that. But I think we hold ourselves at such a standard that sometimes we don't even begin the work of this new project, this new career, because we think we have to be fully integrated before we can even begin. Right. And it doesn't have to be perfect or fully baked. Like if you want to start your website, just play around in Squarespace or, you know, try a free account in Canva or like explore anchor and just try recording things and get creative and explore. I think that's where the imitation and integration really comes into play. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Like they can happen simultaneously. Yes. And so can the innovation. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that we shouldn't allow perfectionism to stop us from playing the role. Yeah. Sometimes we have to play the role of the teacher or the wise person in order for us to try it on for size to see if we even like it, if it's even for us. Not everybody needs to teach. Mm-hmm. Not everybody needs to start a podcast. Yeah. You know, not everybody needs to become a spiritual teacher. The thing is, if it's something that you are compelled to do or you have a desire, it's always worth exploring. The nuanced issue there is that are you giving up too easily because maybe something's very difficult? Things are uncomfortable. Anytime you do something new, it's going to be uncomfortable. I mean, think about the first time you learned how to ride a bike or the first time you learned how to we're both yoga teachers. The first class you taught, how awkward was it? Right? It was terrifying. I mean, visceral. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> it's scary. Right? Yeah. yeah. We all remember the fir- our firsts. The first time you went on a date. The first time you kissed somebody. The first time is always the hardest. And it takes a while for it to get easier, depending on, again, for some people, it might be easy. They just, they're a born star or they're a born teacher and they could just write. My older sister is an incredible, prolific writer. She's an incredibly skilled teacher and she's always been that way. She's always been that way. She's always been incredibly intellectual since I could remember So some people just are born with that thing. Some of us have to work really hard to do something well. And that's okay. And to me, I love the underdog. I love the people that have to really put their time in. I mean, I my grammar is not great. I just wrote a book. And it was very difficult because I've not been in school in a long while, like <laughs> long while. I've not been in college. I've not been in high school, you know, where we learn all of these basics of English literature, literature. And it's something that you have to have to put that beginner's hat on. You know what that's like, right, Tess? I mean, mm-hmm. it's very humbling. And it's an important experience for us to have often because I feel like when we're not having those moments of discomfort, we're getting really settled in our little cozy blanket of staying the same. Yeah, that too. And also the idea of passing the torch, your ability to then become the teacher or the mentor to the mentee, you're so much better at it because first of all, you can empathize and be compassionate to that experience of being brand new at something and really coming to terms with the challenge of that and the humility that that takes. Um, And you can put yourself back in those shoes and be like, Hey, it's, it's okay. It gets easier. It takes practice. It takes dedication. Yes. But you'll make it through if you want to, you will. Yeah. So I think it makes us better teachers. It makes us better people. And we have more compassion in that way. 
Yeah. And I think that having somebody that's modeling that experience is important because a good teacher will tell you how hard it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a good mentor will tell you how much work it was. And I'm sure it's a lot of work for a lot of people. I used to think back in the day, before I even started the podcast, I used to see people I admired or followed on social media. Wow, I really wish I had that, or I really want to be doing that. And what is that like? Oh, this person is teaching at this huge festival. What's that like? I want to be doing that. And you build to get there. Nobody's going to hand you your career on a platter. And if they do, I'll tell you right now, it's not sustainable and it won't last long. It's like buying followers, right? Like at one point or another, something will arise where you have to either call upon those fake people or you'll know within yourself that what you created was not built on something substantial. And that's really, that's a really, and I'm not saying, look, I don't care what you do. Whatever is going to make you feel good, do it. All I'm saying is that if you want to build something that's going to stand the test of time, it's going to take time. That's just really, that's it's basic. It's the bottom line. So I would always have this vision of, oh, I just, if only I had this opportunity or, oh, if only I was able to do this. And once I was able to get to a place in my career after years, and I'm telling you right now, I just had a memory pop up on my iPhone. You know how sometimes you get those memories on your iPhone? Like a a little picture? Yeah, Yeah, a little picture Uh shows up of my first market pitch place thing that I did when I first came up with the book idea back in 2015. It's a picture of me at the pitch marketplace. Uh So at the Willamette Writers Conference, I was living in Portland. And this is a funny story, actually. I don't know if I've ever actually talked about this before. So story time. I'd gone to a psychic reading (laughs) with my local psychic in Portland, Suzanne Jockis, who is incredibly gifted. She's written books. She is like incredibly connected psychic. She's the person that I mean, like, I'm not even going to continue to talk her up. She's, I've dealt with many psychics in my day. And she's the only person that has been on point every single time. And it's crazy, right? Anyway, doing what I do. I was getting a psychic reading and she, I was telling her her about this idea, how I wanted to write either I wanted to do a blog or I wanted to do a book, or I was having these ideas come up very in there. They were in their infancy. And she said, you need to go to the writer's conference. I'm speaking there. And it's going to be really great. You'll meet people there. You'll listen to some authors and just check it out. You might meet somebody that might help you on your path. And what I would suggest is, you know, go home, think about it, but you should definitely go. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And, you know, Tori's, he moonshadows as a screenwriter. So I come home. And I tell him about this conference and I'm really excited. I said, the psychic said, I need to go to this Willamette Writers Conference and see if I meet somebody, there's agents there, there's people speaking and it's this really cool book fair. And plus, come on, a book fair? Who's going to say no to that? I mean, you would be there in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm actually wondering when the next one is. I mean, we need to look because yes. I want to go. Let's, we should go together. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, let's oh, do it. Yes. Do you like free stuff? Well, you're in luck because Buy Optimizer's Black Friday deal starts now. And not only are they giving you a huge discount all month long, they're also giving away $200 worth of free gifts. That's right, friends. I have an exclusive advance invite from Buy Optimizer's for their Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals for the entire month of November. If you're feeling stressed out or haven't been sleeping well lately, you're not alone. 
You might not be able to change all the chaos out there, but you can start supplementing with one key nutrient to help improve your sleep quality, as well as over 600 other biochemical reactions in your body. Magnesium Breakthrough is one of the only products I've found that has all the magnesiums that I'd want in one convenient bottle. You'll open less bottles, spend less money, and still get the top seven forms of magnesium for stress and better sleep all in one bottle. Most magnesium supplements fail because they are synthetic and not full spectrum. When you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded. Your brain, your sleep, pain, inflammation, and you get way less stress. And right now, for the entire month of November, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough by Optimizers are having a Black Friday Cyber Monday blowout sale on their best-selling magnesium. You'll get up to 25% off every order and access to over $200 in free gifts, including books and more of their best-in-class products to sample. This is the best time to stock up and take advantage of all the free extras you're going to get. Seriously, I've been recommending this product quite often, but this year I've never seen the discounts they have this month, not to mention the amazing bonus gifts they're giving away for extra products, books, and other amazing limited-time specials. You can only get this exclusive deal through my own personal link. And this is for all the radically loved listeners. You won't find this on Amazon or even by Optimizer's site. Go to www.magnesiumbreakthrough.com forward slash loved and use the code loved to get your discount and your free gifts today. And one last thing, you should know all Bioptimizer supplements are best in class. If for some reason you feel differently, you can get a full refund up to a year after your purchase, no questions asked. So head over to my link for this exclusive deal. It's www.magnesiumbreakthrough.com forward slash loved and use the code loved. Do it now while supplies last and don't miss the November 30th deadline. This episode is brought to you by True Niagen. I used to feel completely drained and exhausted after my morning runs, but that's not the case anymore. I love True Niagen. True Niagen fuels the body's energy engines and maintains cellular metabolism and even supports heart health. I have way more energy now. With 11 published human clinical studies and backed by Nobel Prize winners, True Niagen is a supplement that's clinically proven to boost NAD levels, an essential coenzyme required for cellular health and repair. Since I started taking True Niagen, it really helps my muscles recover after I run or anytime. I use my tonal. I just feel like I have more zest, more vitality, and I'm just really feeling like it's truly supporting my overall health. It only took a few weeks before I started to notice the difference. I even ordered some true niogen for my parents so that they can experience more sustained energy throughout the day. And right now, for all of our listeners, True Niagen is giving 10% off of your first order. So visit True Niagen forward slash Rosie. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N dot com forward slash Rosie to save 10% off of your first purchase. TrueNiagen.com forward slash Rosie. First impressions are everything. So if you're looking to make an impact with your online content, you need issue. The easiest way to make your creative ideas come to life and share everywhere you want to be seen. Issue is an all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials to magazines to flipbooks and brochures and more. I'm currently using Issue to create my new training manuals. I am so excited to be sharing not only my new book, but also all of the workshops and retreats I have planned for 2022. I'm excited to do things back in person in human form, and I'm excited to share this new content with all of you through Issue. So for any of you out there who do trainings or workshops, check out their manual template. It is so easy to use and so easy to edit. It didn't take me any time at all to be able to create the content that I'm going to be teaching next year. Issue also works seamlessly with tools we already use like Canva, Dropbox, and InDesign. They help creators, marketers, designers, really anyone who wants to make content that stands out. And you can start using Issue for free. They also offer premium features that give a more customized experience. So get started with Issue today for free. If you sign up for a premium account, you will get 50% off when you go to issue.com forward slash podcast and use the promo code Rosie. That's 
I-S-S-U-U.com forward slash podcast and use the promo code Rosie at checkout for your free account or 50% off of your premium account. That's issue.com forward slash podcast with promo code Rosie. Okay. So back to the story. I go online and, you know, Tori and I were in some not great financial strains during this time and it was a little bit expensive. And so we both couldn't afford to go. So we decided that I would be the person to go. And the other one, meaning Tori, he would drive me there and he would just kind of like wait in the parking lot while I go in there and check it out and, and do my thing. So I go and I register and there's this link where it says, pitch your project. There are these pitch meetings that you can book with agents and you have to pay for them. And they're like 15 minute pitch sessions, kind of like I would compare it to speed dating. You go and you sit down across a well-known agent from an agency and you pitch them your idea and they either give you their card and you can continue the conversation or they pass or they might give you some feedback. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can do this. I'm going to pitch my idea. And I booked like three different little roundtable meetings with these three agents. I, I looked them up briefly and saw what agencies they were with. And and I said, okay, what do you need to bring to this? Oh, you need a book proposal. I have ne- a book. Pro- okay. Yeah. A book proposal. Great. What is a book proposal? By the way, Google is your best friend when you have no idea where to start. <laughs> And now that I'm thinking, I'm actually even getting embarrassed that I'm telling the story, but it's great. It's hilarious. So I register, I book my appointments. I Google how to do a book proposal. And it says, first, you're going to need a summary. You're going to need a table of contents and you're going to need to talk about who you are. It's like a business plan. And I'm like, okay, I'm familiar. Business school, business plans. I can do this. Very basic information. No problem. So I go and I fill it out. My book proposal is like two pages, right? And I think this is great. I think this is like the best book proposal ever. Somebody's going to love this idea. There's no chapter summaries. There's nothing about who I am or what I do. There's just this idea that I made on a Google Word doc and I was going to present to an agent that represents like New York Times bestselling authors, right? (laughs) Tessa's laughing. She knows where this is going. So we get to the conference and I see my psychic there. She's also an author. So she was there talking about her books and I say hello. And I happened to bump into one of my students who at the time was coming to my classes quite often, which by the way, I had no idea. She was like a incredible writer, New York Times bestselling novelist, no clue. But she asked me what I was doing there. And I said, oh, I'm here to do a pitch marketplace meetings because I have this book idea and I want to try and get an agent. And she was like, wow, that's really great. I should introduce you to my agent. And I am just beyond myself. I am so excited. This is, my calling is coming to fruition before my eyes It is the moment I've been waiting for. I am meant to write a book and it's all happening right here, right now. So I almost canceled my agent meetings because I figured I had an agent now. (laughs) Like, right? This is going to be my agent. I mean, this is, why would I, why would I continue? But I decided, no, I need to, there was a big break, like an intermission there was different breakout sessions. So it was like a conference, right? You have different rooms, different authors talking about different things. During the break, I go to the parking lot to hang out with my poor boyfriend who's just sitting in the car. And he walks me back and the security at the door asked, oh, he said if we were having a good time and Tori told the security guard, oh, it's just my girlfriend's in there. We could only afford to have one of us go. And at the time he was taking some college classes and he said, the security guard said, oh, well, if you guys are in school, you can get in 
for free. I don't remember if it was for free or like for nothing really. Or no, I think maybe it was free. But anyway, Tori had a student ID and they just let him in. And so it was really great. So at that point, it was great to have somebody come in and be there as support. He encouraged me to take the pitch meetings and here we go. So I walk to the door, I'm ready. There's a picture of me, two thumbs up. I'm excited, I'm ready. I got my mala beads on. I am just living my best life because in my mind, I already have an agent. I already have a book deal. This is like, it's happening. So I go to my first meeting and I sit down with this very polished, probably, you know, like mid, maybe mid 60s, early 70s female agent, stoic from New York. So I sit down and she goes, well, let's see your book proposal. So I hand it to her and <laughs> she literally <laughs> picks it up from the corner of the page and it's stapled together. And she just holds it up like this. Oh, and she goes, gosh. what is this? And puts it back down. And I, my eyes widen and I just got really super tense. And I said, that's my book proposal. She said, this is not a book proposal. She said, what are you wanting to write about? And who are you? And why are you here? And I have never been broken that quickly. And I'm telling you, you know, like, you know, how it's grew up gang violence, drive by shootings, the whole thing. This moment really just broke me because I really felt so exposed in that moment, so unprepared. All of a sudden, I felt so unprepared. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. It like broke my manifestation flow because I felt so naked and unprepared. And she put the proposal down and she said, let me do you a favor. Don't ever write a book. This is not for people that won't take this seriously. The fact that you've not only paid and wasted my time, you've also wasted your time. This is not for you. And there's nothing interesting here. And she put it down and I was like, okay. I grabbed my little two-page book proposal and I got up and I was beginning to walk out the door because I was so upset. It was time. So the meetings are set up back to back. So that lasted about all of maybe three minutes, not long. So I got up and I'm walking out the door and I see Tori and I just nod my head and I'm like, we need to go. I can't be here anymore. This is not for me. And he looked at me in shock and said, how could you say, you just told me that you have an agent now and that you're so excited. And now you're, you're what happened? And I explained to him briefly what happened. And he said, why don't you have the rest of your meetings and see how they go? And then we can go. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I kind of tool around a little bit, go back to my second meeting. Well, the agent that was supposed to be there ended up not showing up. So I'm already like two out of three, just totally brokenhearted and deflated. And I feel like I am just so embarrassed. By the time the third person, it was the third pitch meeting, I was really debating leaving. And I'm sitting there waiting. And I'll never forget you, Caitlin Ketchum from 10 Speed Press. Really like vibrant glasses, like sweet, friend type of girl, you know, that like girl next door, but like kind of you can tell that she like loves to read. She comes and she sits down and she goes, hi, my name's Caitlin. And I'm like, I'm Rosie. She goes, well, what's your pitch? And I just told her the truth. I said, well, I have to be honest. I don't have a real book proposal. I have this and I picked it up just like the first lady had picked it up my first rejection. I'm like, I have this, which apparently is not a book proposal. And I've actually never done this. And I don't really, I have an idea for a book, but I don't even know if it's something that anybody would be interested in doing. And she said, here's my card. I'd love to just get to know you and who you are and what you're wanting to do. And if you were to write a book, what kind of book it would be? 
And here's some information on how to write a book proposal. I suggest you find somebody like a writing coach or somebody that author friend that can mentor you, that can show you how to do this. Because as you've said, and you've quickly learned, it's not that easy. And it was so loving and so compassionate and so kind. I got up and I, it was almost like I was left in a neutral place. I got really high, really fast. And then I got really low, (laughs) really fast. And it was almost as if she brought me back to this neutral place of hope again. And after that, there was a lot of rejections that happened. I'm not going to go into the minutia of that. I will at some point, but I won't do this now. There were about 32 to 38 rejections in the time between that moment in 2015 until about middle of 2019 before I found my agent for my book that I sold at the beginning of last year. So almost a five-year process for me to get to a place where I wrote the book proposal that was is about 60 pages long. I worked with a mentor coach, which you guys all know. And if you don't, Jeannie Faulkner is incredible. She's my writing godmother. Tessa knows her well. She's working with her now. Mm-hmm. And that's the story of how I was able to find the right people in my life to guide me from this place of not knowing and having high hopes and having a little bit of a reality check, a little bit of, I had a little piece of humble pie, which clearly I needed. And I was able to remind myself that it's a marathon and not a sprint. And I'm so glad that I went through the experience that I had, the ups and the downs, the, oh, here you have an agent, here's an agent that's interested, they're not interested anymore. Oh, let's try and sell your book here to this publishing house. 32 people said no. Okay, how about we do it this way? How about we change the book to this? How about we do that? How about we do a co-writing with somebody else? I knew at that point I had had enough rejection and enough experience to know that I knew what I wanted to write. And it didn't matter whether it was going to be published by me or another publisher. Mm -hmm. And that was only learned through having the right people in my life tell me the truth and be honest with me. So that's my story. I love it. Wow. I haven't heard that before. How interesting. Yeah. And it was such a nice way to wrap up this idea of teacher, mentor. And I think you said this, whether subtly or overtly, but the juxtaposition of the teachers. So I always think of this saying of, well, I close my yoga classes with this. I learned it from you, Rosie, is to all of our teachers, past, present, future, and to the teacher within, right? Because even we are a teacher to ourselves and maybe the most important teacher to ourselves. So yeah, even the kind of not so nice New York uppity (laughs) agent, a teacher, right? In her own right, she taught you something valuable. And no, she was hardcore. And look, I love New York. I love New York agents. I love the East Coast. I love that New York vibe. I mean, they, they're like, I call them the no mess around crew, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're legit and absolutely. Yeah. That I needed to hear, maybe I wouldn't have chosen. I'm a lover, right? So I'm, I'm a nurturing person. I love to be nurtured as well. I maybe wouldn't have opted to have her say to me the way she did, but I'm so grateful for it. I, I wouldn't have changed it is what I'm saying. I wouldn't have changed the way that the interaction happened. I needed to hear it that way. I needed it presented to me because now hindsight is a science, right? Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I think about myself now at this age and the age I was then. So that was what, six years ago, almost seven years ago, early thirties, just feeling like, oh, I've got this unlocked my career. I've been doing it for a while. I've been teaching like this is something that I want to do. And I had no idea. I had just no clue. It it's almost like we need both, right? You need that sort of new naivete of 
yeah, I want to write a book. That's exciting, right? It's like the beginner's mind. This sounds really cool. I want to do it. But then having the reality of opening what's behind the curtain and seeing what is behind that Oz, seeing the circuitry, the operating systems behind the curtain is overwhelming. That's what people don't think about. They just see the big image, the projection outwardly. Oh, it must be so easy for you. It must be so easy to live this life or to have this career or to do this or to do that. It's not easy at all. It's a lot of work and it is, it can be soul crushing, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it's important for us to know that. And again, just to reiterate the point, that's why it's important for us to have mentors and people in our lives to help lift us up. People who have lived through this to say, don't worry about it. I got rejected. People told me I needed to stop doing what I was doing. You know, when I quit my job, people were like, you're going to go teach what? Yoga? Mm -hmm. You're going to go be a yoga instructor? It's like, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that part of us that needs to have the hand holding of somebody who is a little bit further down the path that can say to you, keep going. I was heartbroken too. My soul was crushed. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like, who am I to be doing this? And still, but the point is, if it's something you really want to do, you'll do it for your own reasons and you'll continue to do it. It won't matter. The external validation won't matter. It doesn't matter. The accolades don't matter. Like now that my book is done, I'm like, I'm done. I feel good about it. it. To me, it's, and I don't want to say it doesn't matter. I hope my publisher doesn't listen to this and be like, well, of course it matters. You got to promote it now. <laughs> but to me, I did the work already. Like I put every smart thing I've ever said in my entire life, I put it in a book and now I'm like, okay, it's there. Like it's complete. I have this collection of stories that have really helped me make a difference in my own life and hopefully they'll help somebody else. Mm-hmm. But there is no, I don't feel beholden to anybody or anything. So again, you'll do what you want to do for your own reasons, but I encourage you, and it's what we're both doing, both Tess and I, we encourage you to utilize your own internal experience, use your wisdom, find the people in your life that are going to help you get there. And sometimes our mentors are unlikely people. People that you would think, oh, I had no idea. How could this person be my mentor if they've never written a book type of thing? You will find mentors in the oddest places. I mean, look at my psychic lady. I mean, if it wasn't for my psychic, (laughs) I'm just going to go back to the psychic. If my psychic hadn't told me to go to this Willamette Writers Conference, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. I would have never written a book. This was her idea, essentially. She fed that little tiny, tiniest of seedlings, the Mm -hmm. tiniest little thing that was just, you know, just like the late Michael Stone encouraged me to start this podcast. Really? That's so cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I write about that in the book, so everybody will have to wait to read it. Yes. There. But um, (laughs) that being said, Tessa, do you have any closing thoughts? Mm -hmm. Gosh, I'm just, I'm feeling like, well, I'm feeling like stunned and also inspired by your sharing that experience as I kind of go through that process again for myself and feeling like it doesn't really matter how much time has passed. Like say you, you had the seed of an idea to start something new 10, 20 years ago, and now you're listening to this podcast and you're feeling re-inspired. What I guess I would say, this is how I'm feeling, is that it's never too late to try again, to pick it up, to fail again and learn something new and to take that voice of the negative person who said, you can't do this, you shouldn't be doing this, you don't belong here and kind of flip it on its head and say, what was that person trying to teach me? Oh, they're trying to teach me to take it seriously. So maybe I look at it with a different point of view now with new eyes and try again. I don't have to take that person to heart so much, but is there something to learn from it? That's what I would say. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. What a great way to close this Wisdom Wednesday. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And please let us know, send us your feedback. Let us know if any of this resonated with you. We'll put the links to Jeannie's website here so that you got, if any of you are interested in working with a writing coach, she is, I say that, right? Like trying to, I'm like, do I really want everybody to know? (laughs) And Jeannie, Tessa's like, no, (laughs) she is incredible. And you know what she is, if you're serious about writing a book or creating a book proposal, I believe that everybody has a book in them, whether they want to write it or not, everybody has one in them. And especially after me going through this process, I really believe that now wholeheartedly because there was so much I wanted to say and there was not enough space. (laughs) And that just, that's encouraging for me because I love writing so much. And, you know, maybe it's not writing a book, maybe it's starting a blog, maybe it's just writing articles, or maybe it's just journaling, whatever it may be. For me, the reason why writing is so important in my life is because I've done it since I was a, since I could write. And I know that for Tessa, it's been a long romantic love affair. She's had her entire life too. And so, yes, obviously, I mean, that's what we do. We are interviewing authors here most of the time because we love reading. And so, yeah, so that's all I'll say. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Uh, remember to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you are radically loved and radically supported. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us. Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.